Well, in light of that, happy Father's Day. And uh, it does help us to begin to get a picture. What would have it been like to travel like the Israelites did to Jerusalem? And to think there was a large, many of them probably traveled in very large groups as a, as a community left together. And uh, they would have family and there would be kids along the way. And, uh, and just as it doesn't always, this, just as this didn't necessarily go as I planned, though it worked out, you know. Uh, I'm sure uh, going to Jerusalem uh, for the festivals didn't always go as planned. There was dusty roads and there was hot days. But as they went, there was a sense of excitement. And my hope and prayer is that as we gather together as a body of Christ, because part of the reason I wanted to do this is because it helps us to realize that each of us in our walk with the Lord, we are not just individuals. And, very, and it gives us a sense of community to be able to walk around the sanctuary together, to realize the type of things that are talked about in the, song of, in the songs of ascent, are done with one another. It is very hard to live a true Christian life. In fact, I would say it is impossible to live a true Christian life all on one's own. And I have seen people try to do it. And they will last for a season, maybe. But, we, but God has designed us to be in community and relationship with one another. And part of what the Songs of Ascent talk about is what does it look like to have a life that is completely devoted to the Lord in all areas of our lives. For, uh, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. And what we do on Sunday mornings has a great impact, or should have a great impact, on what we do the rest of the week. But we need one another to gather alongside of one another and to build one another up so that we can uh, serve the Lord. And so that is, uh, that is to help us to get our minds around these things. Before I forget, I invite you to take out your connection cards. It is the white and green card in your bulletin, and I'll go through the announcements very quickly today. But just to highlight a couple things uh, on the back of your programs, children's ministry sleepover, that's going to be in a few weeks, um, uh, about a month from now, and so just keep that in mind. We're going to uh, have a sleepover here, and that's for parents and kids uh, together. We'll set up tents, and we'll have a camp, a, um, a, a fire, and we'll, we'll camp out that night right here on the church grounds. Uh, another thing just to make note of is Pastor Rick is, uh, and Amy uh, are still on their sabbatical and will be through this summer, so keep them in your prayers. And the last thing I would note, and this is a new announcement, is the Advent devotionals. That's for Christmas season, so that's a long ways off. But these are, these are special things that we try to do each year and uh, make it unique that, that families and individuals in the church can t- participate in that. So please look at that. They are looking for, um, for uh, art or writings from you or from your family that would help us to celebrate the hope of Christmas. So that might be a, a great way to... Um, celebrate Christmas and to help us as a church body to celebrate. So please keep that in mind. In light of all of that, let us turn to Psalm 123. This is our uh, song of ascent today. It is uh, a song that is in, uh, as we have been traveling through these psalms, starting at 120 and we will go all the way through 134. Fifteen songs of ascent. 
And what it is doing, it is, uh, what these were originally written for is they were to help the Israelites to prepare to worship God in Jerusalem. But more than that, to devote their whole lives to God. And so these were journeys to Jerusalem. These journeys to Jerusalem were spiritual formation events for both adults and children. I know we don't have our PowerPoint today, so I'll try to be careful for those of you who like to fill in the blanks in the sermon uh, notes. These journeys to Jerusalem were spiritual formation events for both adults and children. The commandment that God had given the Israelites, which the, the Hebrews knew as the Shema, which we know as Christians as the greatest commandment because of how Jesus taught uh, because Jesus taught us that this was, is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your, str- with all your might. And these, command, these words that I command you today are to be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently and shall talk of them when you sit in your home and you, when you walk along the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Isn't that a great verse for Father's Day? I think about how we are to pass on our faith, to pass on this idea to love the Lord to our children in various ways. And if you look at this, you would almost expect, you know, we think, how are you going to pass on your faith to your kids? Well, you might read the Bible and pray with them. But actually, and I'm not minimizing those things at all, but actually what is mentioned specific here, specifically here is while you go about your everyday life. As you live your life with your kids, as you sit down and as you rise up, as you walk along the way, and surely this included walking to Jerusalem, but it also probably included walking to the grocery store or walking to a friend's house, whether, whatever you are doing, here is your opportunity to pass on the ways of the Lord to one another. When I, on Father's Day, I always want to remember my dad. My dad is a godly man who sought to bring us up in the ways of the Lord. And uh, as many of you know, I grew up on a farm in Iowa. And so my, every day I, after school, I'd come home and I'd change into my work clothes and I'd go out and I had my chores to do. So I had a lot of time just spending with my dad, either driving in the tractor or working in the barns or changing oil on the tractors or whatever it would be. And though I'm sure this was not intentional, he just wanted the the labor probably, first of all. But over the years, this was discipleship for me. This is where I learned to really be a follower of Jesus. Because just as we were working together, uh, conversation would come up. And you'd begin to ask questions. Dad, I'm going through this at school. What do you think I should do? This This kid's bugging me. Or what do I do about this or that? And you begin to uh, have embedded within your life and within your heart, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Dawson is getting at that age where he asks questions. And some of the questions are harder than others. Uh, But uh, a few weeks ago, uh, our neighbor who passed away, probably about a year ago, he asked, when am I going to see Mr. Richard again? Boy, that's an opportunity to teach about Christian uh, Christian theology, so to speak, right? When am I going to see Mr. Richard again? Uh, So-and-so at school says this. Is that true? Dawson came home the other day and he says, I'm having a, uh, he didn't say these words, but this is 
what's coming out right now. I'm having an argument with one of my classmates. I'm having, my, one of my classmates told me that when we die, uh, we become angels. And I said, what do you think, Dawson? He said, no, we don't. We, uh, we uh, go and be with God as in our spirits. Well, here again, I'm interpreting. But the, he, he had the right answer, okay? That's my point. And uh, I was very proud of him. Okay, I'm, go- I'm elaborating. Uh, these are, But in his own six-year-old words, uh, he was able to express that as people, we uh, go to heaven and, and we worship God. And I was very proud of him uh, for that. And then Dawson has, and this is, this is meant to be humorous, uh, but he, has, he asked a question a while back. Uh, he said, when Jesus was here, did he too? Now... That's a good question. You think Jesus ever got gas and tooted? That's a theology question. Because what does it mean for the God of the universe to take on human form and to be 100% a person? And so these questions, be, uh, these questions that kids ask, uh, cause us to ask uh, cause us to wrestle with what do we believe about God as well. God anticipated these type of questions. Later in Deuteronomy 6 it says, When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the law and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And so I want to ask us, I want to have three hypothetical questions that our kids could ask us today. Dad, why do we? Dad, from this text, we might ask the questions, why do we look to God in our lives? Why do we try to obey God? And why do we call out to God for mercy? Psalm 123, these questions will become clear from the passage, but first of all, let's read this psalm together. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, the eyes of the servants of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord our God, till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us. For we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. Let me just take a minute and pray for us as we dig into the text. Father God, we thank you that we are able to gather here. And we anticipate not only questions from children, but we anticipate questions that would rise up in our own hearts. And until we have a vision of what it really looks like to live with you, The intention to follow through on that will not be there. And the means to follow through on the intention, there will be no need for them. But God, I pray now that you would fill our hearts with a vision of what it looks like to really walk with you. That you might inspire us to live our lives throughout this week fully devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, I can imagine children, as they sing this song, maybe they sang through it several times, they would say, Dad, why do we look to God in our lives? Four times it mentions here that they look to God. I lift my eyes to you who are enthroned in heaven. 
As the eyes of a servant looks to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant looks to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to, the, look to the Lord our God. Why do we look to God? Why do we seek his help in our lives? And the answer might be because God is our trustworthy guide. Because God is our trustworthy guide. One of the first verses I memorized as a kid was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. That's a verse about God being our trustworthy guide, leading our lives. The reason we look to him is because he directs our paths and he shows us uh, where to go. And so I ask, so I want to put before us, are we relying on God as the guide for our lives? Or do we simply rely on our own human understanding and our own wisdom? Or do we look to the wisdom of God? And again, on Father's Day, I ask the question, are you setting the tone, dads, in your house for God to be the guide of your family and for God to lead your household? I think fathers today many times are not stepping up, to be quite honest with you, in leading their families in the ways of the Lord. But one of my fondest memories that I have when I was growing up was my dad would wake up early every day, and I'm sure I've told this uh, to you before, but this is what I always think of on Father's Day. And I remember my dad kneeling on the couch every morning and praying for us as a family. When I got old enough, you know, I'd, I'd hear what he was praying about because he prayed aloud, not because I think he, uh, he wanted me to overhear, but just that was his natural pattern. And he would pray for us as a family, and he'd pray for me to grow up to know God. He'd pray for my brother. He'd pray for my mom. And he'd pray that we would be blessed with, my brother and I would be blessed someday with good Christian wives. And it made a tremendous impact upon me personally. I still think back uh, upon my, on, uh, me growing up as that's one of my, my best memories. And so I just challenge us as fathers to not be passive, but to go out of our way to seek to how are we going to instill the values of Christ into our uh, homes. To be able to say along with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The second question that a child could ask here is why do we obey God? Look at this uh, language that is used here. The language uh, of the verse, used, uh, the verse uh, tw- 2. Let me read that again. Behold, as the eyes of their master, as the eyes of the servant, Look to the hand of their master. So the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress. Why do we seek to obey God? Because God is our master. Every festival that the Israelites were going to uh, celebrate in Jerusalem was a festival to remember that they were slaves in Egypt. This language of being a slave and having a master would have been at the forefront of their minds. As they go to the uh, feast, as they go to the Passover feast, they remember that they were once slaves in Egypt being mistreated and they called out to God. And God said, uh, this, on, on this night I want you to dab the sides of your door and the top of your door frame with blood and the angel of the Lord will come 
And if you have blood spread upon this house, he will know that there is a believer of mine there and will pass over in any home that does not have the, uh, the blood of the lamb, the firstborn son will be put to death. And it was in this act that the people of Israel were rescued out of slavery in Egypt. And they recalled these things as they go to, uh, as they go to Jerusalem to, work, as they, or to worship as they remember the Passover feasts. Fifty days after pa- Passover, there was Pentecost. Pentecost is sometimes referred to as the festival of first fruits. And there they would remember that as slaves in Egypt, they were marginalized and did not always have food to eat. But now, having their own land and having food to eat, they would bring a sacrifice to the Lord. And as they traveled through the wilderness for 40 years, God had to provide manna from heaven. They did not have food to eat. And so they, again, they would, their mind would be recalled to them being slaves in Egypt. And then thirdly, the uh, festival of tabernacles, or sometimes called the festival of booths. And the idea there was that they would remember that as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, they did not have homes to live in. And so they lived in these makeshift homes, these tabernacles. And God uh, delivered them from that. And so they knew what it was to be a slave. And they knew what it was to have a t- uh, to be under terrible masters. But now they remembered that they were under the authority of God himself. And they lived under, in, uh, under his reign and rule. Usually when we think of slavery, a lot of ugly pictures come into our mind, right? Human slavery is, a, is a, one of the most terrible evils one could imagine. It strips people of their dignity and respect. It seeks to wipe out the image of God that is planted within the hearts of, of every, uh, every one of God's creation. In a sense, it uh, seeks to rob people of their own humanity. But slavery to God, slavery to Christ, actually does the exact opposite. It restores to us dignity and respect. It helps us to live into being the people that God has created us to be. The image of God that was distorted through the, through the uh, fall and through sin in our own lives is, it shines forth clean as God uh, forgives us of our sins and empowers us to live the lives that we could not live in our own strength. Just as Adam and Eve ruled in the Garden of Eden before the fall as kings and queens over God's universe, in, in Jesus' kingdom, we are told that we reign with him and we are given dignity and respect. And so as this psalm is sung, the Israelites uh, readily embrace this. New Testament believers did the same thing. Paul, several times in the beginning of his letters, would uh, introduce himself by saying, Paul and Timothy, for example, in Philippians chapter 1, slaves of Jesus Christ, Titus uh, 1.1, Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul taught us that we are all slaves of someone. We will either be slaves to sin or in the things of this world, or we will be slaves of God. I have sat in my office many times with men who sit across from me and they tell me I am wrestling with one sort of addiction or another. It could be lust, it could be 
alcoholism. It could be a number of things. And it has become almost a slave driver for them. And all these things that we can think of in the world, whether some of the common things that come to mind right away are money and power, lust and success and these things, they are evil and cruel slave drivers. And they will demand and demand and demand and never satisfy. And whenever we seek to uh, follow the things of this world, it will never satisfy our hearts. It's like the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt and the slave masters kept saying, make me more bricks, make me more bricks. And they were never satisfied. But when we trust in Jesus, he is the master that will finally bring us satisfaction to to our hearts that our hearts naturally long for. And so I encourage us to willingly and readily to uh, submit to his authority in our lives because that is where true peace and joy is found when we give our lives to him. The third question that could be asked here is, why do we, call out, why do we cry out to God for mercy? Why do we cry out to God for mercy? And it is because God is our Savior. Verses 3 and 4, and I'm going to read this uh, from a paraphrase from the message. It says, we were watching and waiting, holding our breath, awaiting the word of your mercy. Mercy, God, mercy. We have been kicked around long enough, kicked in the teeth by complacent rich men, kicked when we were down by arrogant brutes. That's speaking about uh, evil masters. We've been beat up long enough. And so we look to the one who has true authority and we cry out for mercy. Mercy is at the heart of our salvation. It is God's mercy that gives us what we don't deserve, that we have been given forgiveness and new life in Christ. And that is the type of life that leads to true joy. John 10.10 says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's the life that Jesus is offering us. I'd be remiss if I closed this sermon before uh, just acknowledging that surely that there are people here in this room who, do not, who have not experienced the mercy of Jesus and have not cried out to God for his salvation. And I just want to encourage you that, the, that inviting Jesus to be the master in your life is the best decision that you could ever make. For he brings a life that is full of love and hope and joy. And what that means is that you place your trust in him and ask him to come into your life and you say, I want to live life with you, God. I want to live with you and for you, believing that that is the best life possible. On Father's Day, we think about how are we doing as dads? We take appreciation and hopefully we uh, find joy in the, uh, being a dad. And so, and so I want to think, how are these ways that we can pass on the faith to our kids today? First of all, think about the festivals that the Israelites were celebrating. Passover and Pentecost and the uh, festival of, of booths or tabernacles. What are the holidays that we could take advantage of as uh, as parents today or as a church today? Well, we have three main Christian holidays, right? Christmas, Good Friday, and Easter. And those are great opportunities to pass on uh, the message of salvation. But even all of these other holidays, Father's Day, it's a great opportunity. Mother's Day, great opportunity. God told us to honor our father and mother. What do you think that means? Why do you think God 
would have us to do. How is that good for us? I think birthdays are a great way. Every, I am very, to be honest, I'm very intentional with birthdays. I give a speech and, uh, and I call up Dawson or now I'm going to, I do the same for Kinsey now as she's turned one. But I bring him up and in front of all his friends, I give a speech. And I hold him in my arms and I will say, and I will say, uh, you know, these are the things that have happened in his life this past year. And you know what, Dawson, we pray for you every day that you would grow up to know, you, to know Jesus and to live for him. It's a great opportunity. We have all of these opportunities before us. Nature and creation. You look and, wow, look at the sun today. Isn't this a great day? You know that the sun rises every day without fail. You know why that is? Because God is faithful. And we can trust in him that if we give our lives to him, that he will be faithful to us. Look at these ants on the ground. You know what God teaches us about ants? Ants are hard workers. God's given us work in our life. What do you think God's asking you to do that you could work really hard at and uh, please God in your, in, in your life? We could bring our kids to church every week. How many times do we ask them about what they learned in KWP or in Sunday school? Boy, we're missing an opportunity. What did you learn? You know what? That's awesome. That applies to us as a family as well. And you develop habits. Praying with your kids before they go to bed and Reading, their, reading a, a Bible with them or children's Bible or something that's appropriate for them. You hear a siren. Let's, let's pause and pray. Somebody's, in hurt, uh, somebody's hurting right now. And let's pray that God would uh, help them. Praying on your way to school or any of these things. And then, man, we've got to take advantage of discipline. Discipline is one of our greatest opportunities to instill the ways of God to our children. You don't just say, man... Quit acting up in the restaurant because it embarrasses mom and dad. You know, yeah, sure it does. But there's a deeper, why don't you want to make a fit in a restaurant? Maybe it's because Jesus told us that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And maybe it is because we respect those around us. And you don't hit your sister because God in his wisdom had thought, you are the perfect person to give this little baby girl to. And God has entrusted him her to your care. And there's all kinds of ways that we, boy, we we kind of messed up here, didn't we? Let's take time and ask God for forgiveness. But it takes creativity. And these are the type of things that God is asking us to do. And so that's my Father's Day challenge for us. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we have looked at this passage, we pause and we thank you that you are our trustworthy guide, that you are our master and our merciful savior. And we pray that we would submit our lives to you. Thank you that you love us so much. And we pray that you would empower us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God, for us who are parents, no matter what age we are, even if we are grandparents or aunts and uncles and we have kids that we interact with. On this Father's Day, we pray that you would help us and strengthen us to be able to make an impact on those uh, little ones around us. And God, I really do thank you that as as we submit our lives to you, that you are not a heavy master who is difficult on us, that you give us freedom in our lives, freedom to be the people that you have created us to be. Thank you that you love us so much. 
And we now again pause and just give our lives to you. Pray that you would help us to follow you in all your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.